millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Welcome to Wood Talk, crafting artisanal sawdust since 2007. Now here are your hosts, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it is show number 521, and on today's show, we're talking about woodworking magazines, communicating with our followers, and do we actually need to upgrade tools in order to get better? But before we get to that, I want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before April 30th at rockler.com slash woodtalk. And if you want to help support the show, you can do so. You can head over to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up and become a patron of the show. Thank you to all our wonderful patrons over there who continue to support us for some unknown reason. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never know. Uh, and I also want to say for folks who have uh, done that, we do have your names there. They're accumulating. We just didn't get them once again for this show, uh, but we will get you next time and, and mention your name on the show. Oh, good. The list is going to be extra long next yes. time. People love it. Just man. what I need. It's better More chance. Reading. It's a better chance of a really complicated <laughs> name coming down. <laughs> just yeah. basically going to be a whole show. Just yeah. Matt's going to read names. Okay. Good night, everybody. Okay, goodbye. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's our time. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I didn't initially have a what's on the dining table topic, uh, which tends to you know veer into the off topic things. But I thought I thought it would be really nice to do one of the tactics that Nicole and I employ at our own dining table. Uh, we try to do it every night, but it doesn't always happen. But we try to. That is defensive eating. As we're, <laughs> as we're eating, we want to torture our children by making them recount something good that happened during the day. And I thought it would be fun, you know, to, to kind of go around our virtual dining table and ask each other, uh, what good thing happened to you? What pleasant thing occurred in this last week that uh, is worth telling the audience about? And it, could, it doesn't have to be about woodworking. It could be about anything, anything at all. Just a good moment. That's all we need. So, Matt, can you think of one? Something good. Nothing that's appropriate for the show. What about when oh. I stopped into your live show yesterday? That wasn't one of those moments. <laughs> That's always a good moment. I was in there ha- uh, heckling you from the chat room. Barely though. Mm. And You're not very good at that anymore. I was in the middle of oh, is that. What it is? Well, yeah. honestly, I'm going to tell you why I don't do this because of Lindsay. <laughs> I feel like she because might, of her. Well, yeah, because I feel like she, I don't want to make her feel bad or I don't want to make her dislike me. Uh, I'm not worried about you. I think it's too late think, for that. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> Sounds difficult. I mean, that that could be a challenge in itself. Yeah, I don't. I just, I, I just, I'm conscious of the wives. Like same thing with Heather. If you guys did a live show, I wouldn't want to anger Heather or make her be like, "Wow, that Mark guy, what a prick." Yeah. He's always in here saying something stupid. <laughs> oh, so come check out my video I posted today. Oh, please do that. <laughs> there you go. Could you I'm imagine? in here self self promoting. <laughs> I, I made a video today. <laughs> Here's a link. <laughs> Here's a link. Can I post the link? Is that okay? Admin, delete if not allowed. 
Yeah. Uh, just, so I guess the, the good thing is you didn't do that. No. On my live show. So there's my good I, I would never do that, but still, yeah. Good times. Okay. Um, so you I got, do have you, a good thing. You got I anything? I have a good thing for you. Okay, I do. I do. So it has to do with our, our home renovation remodel thing. Mm-hmm. And it actually has to do with Lindsay as well. So it's, I think it's a good one. So good. we had our, um, we went stone shopping, as we talked about last time, on Thursday. And honestly, every single time we do anything with this, Lindsay's in like some other place with like, I'm thinking about work or not really there, excited about what's going on. But on Thursday, she took the day off and was like totally like in the moment and committed to the process of designing her kitchen. Mm -hmm. And we had like some of the best designing stuff moments ever, which is how that kind of countertop decision came uh, about because she was like, I like this one a lot. Hmm. Like you've never been that like, uh, like you never made that much of a concrete decision on anything. <laughs> yeah. And like, this is great. So uh, that was my, that's my good pen. My you good got a blank slate there, which I think creatively can be a challenge. So to like, to have at least a couple of decisions you're absolutely sure about, I could see that being very, uh, very good. There's the most absolute thing so far in this whole <laughs> process we've been designing for over a year yeah yeah pretty good well what about you shannon what happened great in your week this week actually it is woodworking related um i uh uh was was talking about uh miter joinery in in one of my mini zoom sessions and somebody brought up the technique of closing up a miter by sawing along the joint you know, so if you've got two miters and if you actually run a saw uh, along that that joint line, you mm-hmm. you create a parallel sided curve, which can allow you to close up a miter. And uh, someone in the Zoom brought that up and I said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a very effective technique. And then somebody asked a question, well, wait, what is that? And and I was trying to show it and uh, basically it was just running out of time. So I said, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and create a, a video. Um, this is in the school on that. And in creating that video that I've known about that technique for many years. I've actually done it a couple times. I remember seeing Roy Underhill do it once to close up a, a miter dovetail, but I've never actually really focused on it and, and tried to kind of understand why it works and how it could be employed, employed like outside of just the miter. Mm-hmm. And it was actually kind of an epiphanal moment for me. I realized I like, I may never use a shooting board ever again. Um, <laughs> That, that technique is so effective. And then I started realizing it has uh, a lot of far-reaching applications just outside of miters. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can use that saw curve method to create compound joinery, compound butt joints, things like that. And that has led me into kind of different ways of thinking about how I use all of my tools. Mm-hmm. So basically, since I decided to go all hand tools, shoot more than a decade now um there's been like i i call it my power tool upbringing like i i inside of inside of this hand tool woodworker is a power tool woodworker because that's how i learned like we all watch norm you know and and you that's learn how, how to you. build yeah your big tall goofy guy with a table saw that's right <laughs> and a complicated um, name for your show <laughs> right <laughs> but the, all of these all of your kind of processes and how you build something is derived around that power tool process. And as I started moving into hand tools, I actually found it more of a struggle because I was still thinking in terms of how like I process lumber, I mill lumber using power tools. And slowly but surely I've kind of shed that upbringing and thinking more like really probably what like our forefathers thought, like who didn't, there was no such thing as a table saw. Um, And this was just one more step. And Again, without getting too um, detailed on the actual technique and stuff, to me, it was just a very exciting moment. And, you know, when you were doing something a long time, it's not that, you know, you feel like, oh, I can build anything, but you kind of like nothing is new. Like, yes, I know that technique. I've tried that technique. I've done that technique. I was Mm -hmm. successful or unsuccessful. You know, it's rare that you get somebody to says something to to me about woodworking that I'm like, oh, I've never heard of that before. Mm, totally new information. And and while the technique itself wasn't new, kind of thinking about it closer was really exciting. And I'm still quite excited about this. And my my 
head is kind of still swimming on how I can employ some of this philosophy that's coming out of it. And to me, the, the fact that like to shoot this video, like I ran home at lunch and shot like 45 minutes of it before running back to the office. And it's just, it was, it was cool. It was, it was like a, by, by saying a reinvigoration, it makes me sound like I was burnt out. I'm, I'm not, but this was just a really kind of exciting moment for me, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> uh, Go for, on, honey. <laughs> for my thing, uh, I like to pretend that I enjoy planting things. And <laughs> on a yearly basis, I, I like to plant things in our garden and my dogs find a way to destroy it every year. Um, so we're very limited in what we can plant because no matter what I do, uh, Dougie will start chewing on the irrigation system or uh, now Abby is completely crazy and she will probably knock stuff down. So I'm just thinking of the planting season that's coming. And um, at the very least, I like to grow lettuce. I eat a lot of lettuce. It's uh, one of my favorite things to eat and it's very fairly easy to grow. Um, but I just don't have success with it because of the morons that I have as dogs, <laughs> the knuckleheads. Uh, so for Christmas, oh. Nicole got me this hydroponics little setup, a uh, little arrow garden. Um, and I was really excited about it. My mom then did, you know, the Jersey Debbie Downer thing and said how bad they are that they don't actually work. And I said, I will show you, I'm going to grow this lettuce. And sure enough, um, I have been eating lettuce out of that thing for, uh, well, since Christmas time. Uh, and it's actually really, really cool. So I decided to up the ante a little bit and I treated myself to a larger hydroponics setup that will allow me to not only grow my lettuces, but some fresh herbs. I even got a little, uh, like a little dwarf, uh, cherry tomato plant. And this, like I had to prove to myself that this would work because it's like, it's just nutrients in water and the root system is growing in water. How could this possibly result in an actual, you know, piece of edible, edible, uh, uh you know, plant. <laughs> and, it, and it does, it works. It works really well. So, um, I've got this thing that I've been uh, setting up today. It's a much larger unit. I could plant a lot more pods and it's great because it's in the middle of winter and I'm just pulling fresh lettuce off of these things. Um, so I, you know, screw outside. I'm going to be <laughs> planting my stuff inside where my dumb dogs can't get to it. <laughs> so that was my positive, uh, this week. I, I got my little, uh, unit and I'm going to set it up and I'm going to grow th things and I'm going to eat them and try to get my kids to eat them. And they're going to say no. And it's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be great. I guess your dogs to eat them. They're going to say yes. I'll force the dogs to eat them. Maybe you need Crap to cook it. the lettuce in a cast iron skillet and the kids will eat it with lots of butter. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We always need the butter. It's my favorite thing. If you get in the cast iron, stainless steel, different cookware where people brag about, uh, oh my God, it's, it's nonstick. And, and they show you how well this egg slides around in a quarter inch of butter. It's like, you could cook that on a cinder block in a quarter inch of butter and it would not stick. Come on people. Anyway, good stuff. So yeah, that, that was, that was for me. Well, this, this was a lot of fun. I think when we don't have a topic that this might be a fun thing to do. Well, I, the, your, your mention of Dougie, I need to send you a video. You might've even seen this, but there's this girl, uh, doing planks in the, at, at home in her home gym <laughs> yeah. and her bulldog comes up and she, so imagine she's doing a plank, but she's like an elevated plank. Her feet are up on a bench. Yeah. So the dog comes underneath her and her, you know, her shirt is obviously hanging down because she's in a plank. The right. dog then proceeds to climb up the inside of her shirt. Oh no. And sticks his head out the neck hole of her shirt and starts licking her face while she's in this plank. And she's, and you think of, think of like how solid Dougie is. Yeah. This is this petite little girl. And the dog then decides, okay, I'm done. I'm going to walk away. And he basically like carries her away. Oh my God. So <laughs> it went from cute to being disastrous. <laughs> uh, no, it's still pretty cute. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just, Makes me think of Dougie. Bulldogs have a um, uh, respecting of space problem. Like when they put it into their heads that they need to be in a certain spot, uh, they're going to get there whether you want them to yeah. or not. It helps that they have a mass of a neutron star at the same time too. Yeah, just exactly. Move things out of the way to get there. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, very good. All right, so let's get to our, I guess we got some kickback. Let's talk wiener kickback. Yeah, actually the first piece is a piece of kickback, so. All right. Well, this is from John and he he's asking, he's talking, he's kicking back about our wiener woodworkers. He says, um, he's kicking us back in the wiener. 
<laughs> Straight great. from the wiener. Uh, thanks for doing the show. It's a great lesson. I have a confession, though. I tick most of your wiener woodworker boxes, but I'm okay with that. My initials are in my handle, JM Woodcraft. Uh, I sell on Etsy since early last year. I have an Instagram account as of late last year, uh, which is uh, at JM underscore Woodcraft underscore Scotland. There you go. There's your plug. Um, I post <laughs> pictures. <laughs> I post pictures of chopping boards. I'm a weekend warrior, et cetera, et cetera. I suspect there's a few, a good few of us out there. And I figured I'd write in since we've become strangely for a woodworking podcast, um, which what? Since we've become strangely for a woodworking podcast as aspiring woodworkers, a bit of a joke recently. I've been woodworking for around seven years. I work long hours on my normal job, have two kids, so I don't get much time at it. So the learning curve, it's much slower than I've managed to do it full time. That said, the things I make now compared to seven, five, to even two years ago are all much better, and I'm sure I'll continue to improve as I get more practice. I don't know another woodworker in real life, so YouTube, podcasts, and Instagram are incredibly useful for me uh, for ideas, inspiration, and getting the confidence to give things a go. As a fellow introvert, I had no social media at all a year ago, and the thought of advertising my skills and products filled me with both horror and terror. However, I'd make pretty much everything I need in my house and a few good friends and family, and I wanted a way to keep um, keep making things I enjoy and be able to recoup some of the costs, and it's working for me. I've been busy since I started, uh, nowhere near busy enough to be full-time, um, but I've taken a few custom jobs that I price very, uh, very fairly to uh, refine my skills and make sure they're good enough before they go to the customer. On Instagram, I've connected with and talked with a few other wiener woodworkers, bringing a bit of a community for me that otherwise I wouldn't have. I like seeing what these guys and girls are making, and I'd like to offer praise where it's due and comments where they are asked for and get the same in return. It's nice and isn't community a big part of what woodworking should be. This reads like a rant, but it isn't meant to be. Maybe it is. I'm not sure now. Um, anyway, my point is that there's probably a lot of wiener woodworkers like me who follow you guys in your show, so maybe some more encouragement and less bleeping on us would be good. For any newbie woodworkers out there, taking a step up to becoming a wiener woodworker has been an incredibly positive experience for me, and I'd highly recommend giving it a go. I hope nobody lets any perceived negativity put you off. Sorry for all the words. Looking forward to the next show and seeing what you're up to on YouTube. Good luck with the new toys you plan on buying, Mark. They should be fun as well. Wiener John from Scotland. There we go. Well, to be fair, we only crapped on Wiener Woodworkers for one show. It's just one show. <laughs> I mean, and basically I, all we did was read what Chris Schwarzes wrote. So we didn't. Yeah. We were go, just delivering the message. Go yell at Chris. All right. Yeah. So here's what I, I wanted to. I mean, I actually did abbreviate that email a little bit, but I wanted to get the whole thing in there because I think John, um, yeah, I want his perspective to be heard. But the more I looked into this, the more I started to think, well, wait a second. Is he really a wiener woodworker? And I went to his Instagram page <laughs> and I see some fairly basic projects. He's got some slab stuff. He's got some epoxy pours, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that's currently trendy. I don't know that I see the wiener woodworker that he's saying he is. Uh, You're not a wiener. I even went back. <laughs> I even went back to Chris's post to read all of the bullet points of you might be a wiener woodworker. If most of what Chris put in there are people who are trying to create this facade of success mm -hmm. and this facade of a certain like level of trendiness with what's what's current um, it was mostly about people who are trying to present themselves as something they are not. I don't think it was about people who were just at the beginning of their journey who were starting to sell things on Etsy. Right. So I don't, I, I mean, maybe the, I don't recall the conversations as well as I should, but I, I look at his page and I go, yeah, man, this is a dude who's just doing his thing. You know what? I don't see are a lot of this stuff that Chris mentioned in there. <laughs> uh, you know, all the, Anyway, go, you can go back to that episode if you want to hear all those things, but I just, I don't see it. I don't see what he's talking about. I think he maybe has a little bit of a, I don't know, maybe he's down on himself about this. I think the stuff he's posting here, he should be proud of. It is interesting because if you go back like to when we all started, um, you know, before this, well, not that it's a, a mainstream uh, career anyway, but, you know, the thought of making it a career was, was the furthest thing from my mind when I started a blog and when I mm -hmm. started like posting stuff, um, 
it was about community. It was always about community. It was connecting with, you know, the other wieners out there. Um, yeah. And what's interesting is social media. I feel like social media has become a career path now. And when you start posting as a hobbyist, wanting to share, wanting to find other woodworkers, it's like you're now on a path to the point where you're eventually going to go pro. And that, you have to fight I, against I think, it, I think. Actively. Yeah, yeah. And what is also interesting, I can't remember if this was in Chris's list or not, but a true sign of a wiener woodworker to me is when the photos you see in their feed are less about the project they made and more about the woodworker himself. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of posing with the project, but maybe the project's like in the background. Yeah. <laughs> like there's lots of, lots it's in of soft um, focus. <laughs> in the background. Yeah. Right. right. It's, it's so obvious that most of the photos in that required a tripod or someone else to take it because they're in the picture themselves. Yeah, it's more about their image than the project yeah. they're making. And that said, he has none of that on there. I don't even know what this dude looks like. I see a cute kid. It's the only person that I saw in, in his feed. Um, I, th I just think it's, I think he's being hard on himself. I think he's doing great. I also think since he's from Scotland, he should have called in instead of yes. writing this <laughs> Yes, because we, we like the accents. Um, right. Yeah. Cause as I was <laughs> reading, I heard Mike accent. Myers in my head the whole time. So. <laughs> yeah. A really bad <laughs> Scottish accent. <laughs> really bad. Yeah. We've got great. a paper dune, a paper dune. <laughs> Well, look, uh, you, the thing I learned here is that you should just embrace your wiener if that's what you're going to oh, do. Oh, boy. Yeah, but not your neighbors because that'll get you in trouble. Right. Without yeah, asking just, anyway. You can and ask. I think if, if it's not clear, I think we are always welcome to beginner woodworkers. We make, you know, jokes around this stuff because we've been there. We've done that. But I do like to think that we are welcoming. Uh, but I also think if people are really doing all those things that Chris laid out in his blog post... Uh, you know, it's okay to to crack some jokes about some of these things because some of it is silly. I just don't think, uh, I don't think John Mason here fits into that category. Nope. Anyway. But you can right. call yourself a wiener woodworker anyway, John. Be proud of it. <laughs> yeah, totally fine. I think, do you have more tattoos than router bits? I mean, how do you quantify large tattoos? That's, that's the problem. That's the problem yeah. with your... I think it's work. square footage. <laughs> Body you, have to you have to talk about percentage of square footage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think the thing canvas. is, if you look at all the sessions that it took to, to get to where I am with the tattoos, like does each session count as a quote unquote tattoo? I don't know. I don't no. make the rules. I just, I, I already forgot about most of these. It's been like a month. since yeah. we looked at them. I had to go back and look at them. I'm like, Oh yeah. Th yeah. There's, and then from last episode, your workshop has a logo, but no insurance. Right. <laughs> yeah that's, relevant. That. Uh -huh. that's what i'm saying you look at all of the parameters he laid out there and it's it's mostly about presenting an image that isn't actually you don't have the skills to back up what you're putting out there and i don't think yeah. that um the, you know this person in particular is is presenting anything that's not true or or um inflated in any way I think the All important right. thing and this back to the sorry to belabor this, but back to this whole career path thing, there is nothing wrong with being a hobbyist woodworker and selling some stuff like selling some things no. to buy the next tool. There is no of reason course. you have to take the next step. That was goal number pro. one for me, right? Like if I yeah. could get there, that's how this process started. Absolutely. A hobby that yeah. funds itself is kind of, you know, for a lot of people, that's the goal. Yeah. Anyway. Mm, okay. Well, you guys want to talk about uh, Florida? Speaking Damn, of wieners, yeah. whoops. I'm freezing. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> you beat me to that, Mark. Well done. <laughs> well, Rockler is excited Someone's to announce. Someone's going to write in from Florida now. Like, what yeah. the hell, guys? You guys aren't very inclusive of us here in Florida. It's like, we, we're, it's just one episode, guys. We're just going to bag on Florida for one episode. And then we'll what state's on. next? Moving on right. to New Jersey after this. We embrace the South Park motto. If you make fun of everyone, they can't get in trouble. Yeah. That didn't work for me in my Much. last video. I got to tell you that. Yeah. Uh, Rockler is excited to announce the opening of their latest store just outside of Tampa in Brandon, Florida. You may be missing out. If you haven't been to a Rockler store lately, you'll find a large number Lumber selection. This is what happens when I don't read this ahead of time. You'll find a large lumber selection, top power tool, brands and accessories, dust collection, router tables, T-track, 
hardware, and more. Rockler stores also host a variety of classes and events. Visit rockler.com to find a store near you or stop by the new Tampa store for special grand opening events through April. No matter which location you visit, you can always count on Rockler for innovative products, expert advice, and exceptional customer service. So, uh, Florida listeners, get over there. That's cool. Near Tampa. That's great. Have you guys ever been to Florida? Yep. Yeah. When, uh, it's been a when while. I, when yeah. I grew up in New Jersey, Florida was the ultimate go-to vacation spot. Like, no one talked about going anywhere else. Like, West Coast, forget about it. You, it was always going to Florida. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting thing. Based on the number of people from New Jersey I've seen in Florida, I can see that. <laughs> New Jersey and New York, that's where all the retirees go. Yeah, a lot of strong Jersey accents in the beaches of Florida. Yeah, that's great. Sounds like a place I need to go. Pretty humid there, though. I remember uh, all the, the like afternoon thunderstorms in Just Miami. I can remember hair. when my, my brother uh, passed in review from Navy boot camp in Orlando, Florida, and it rained that they couldn't use the parade grounds for graduation. So they moved us into a gymnasium. It was like 98 degrees and 100% humidity in the gymnasium. God. And those guys out on the floor standing at full attention with rifles on their shoulders, you would just see like a head disappear from the crowd as one guy passed out. And then like, over <laughs> here, another guy disappears. Another Jeez. guy, it's like something like half the his boot class passed out on the floor. Yeah, that's my memory of Florida. Good times. Sounds great. Uh, woof. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, go check out that store, Brandon, Florida, if you want to check it out. And a grand opening is a great time to get to know uh, your Rockler store with the different events. Maybe they have some sales. I don't know. Go check it out. Go support them if you want them to stick around. Maybe you'll win that gift card. <laughs> you could. Did you notice the window for that? Uh, I noticed the date on that. This gift card giveaway thing is going to be for, uh, for quite some time. Uh, you have through yeah. April to get in there. So take advantage of it. Okay. So all of our questions today are going to be more or less kind of a group discussion. Um, it's not uh, questions for any one individual. So this one comes from Sean Kent and it's about woodworking magazines. He says, started listening to your podcast a little over a year ago, and I've been working my way through the immense backlog of content. It's overwhelming. I tried to start at the beginning and I only made it a few episodes in before skipping ahead to the new Matt. What's up with that? What do you got against Vanderlist and me reading from scripts? Apparently a lot. <laughs> Actually, I think you did the right thing. I mean, you want yeah. the historical reference to know where things came from, but you don't have to torture yourself by listening you to all those. You just need a reference, just a reference. Quick reference. Like the whole thing. Yeah, you know where it came from and then move right along. Uh, somewhere along the line, there was a conversation about the flood of differing options or methods on YouTube or other social media platforms. I was wondering if you had any recommendation on two to three magazine subscriptions worth the time and money. Well, I guess this is getting a lot easier over time. I mean, yeah, there probably yeah, are seriously. only two or can three you, left. Can you think of more than two or three? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm just going to go off the top of my head here. I don't, I have to confess, I don't really read a lot of woodworking magazines anymore. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think you could ever, at least from what I've seen at any stage in their development, unlike some other magazines that kind of have a little bit of an ebb and flow, uh, pop woodworking has been a little bit rocky. It's been great and not great and then great again and then not great over time. It's it's not as consistent. Um, so let's say fine woodworking. I don't know that fine woodworking has ever gone downhill in my eyes. I think they make a great product, good information. You subscribe long enough, you may see that typical uh, turnover of topics that generally happens. Uh, but that's, you know, it's a magazine. What are you going to do? Um, so I'm going to put fine woodworking on that list. Um, what, do, what do you guys recommend? Mortise and tenon. It's uh, certainly more on the hand tool bent, but mm -hmm. Mortise and Tenon magazine to me is almost like a scholarly journal um, than anything else. It's really well made, high, like physically high quality, but um, I like that they've, they've continued to pull a lot of different authors in. It's never the same authors each time around, mm -hmm. which is kind of, you know, I start to get a little malaise from fine woodworking. It's always high quality, but it's always the same voices. They've gotten better at it in recent years, but Mortis and Tenon, you just, it's a lot like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Mm. Um, what's the frequency? Because it's still, I mean, it's an event when one of those comes out. Uh, quarterly? I think that's kind of good. I think when you get inundated with these yeah. things and you like, just get a pile. Maybe it's biannually. I don't know. I don't, I don't think it's quarterly. Right. I think quarterly I get, is too frequent. 
Yeah, I think it might be twice a year. I don't know now. But it's, it's a very been a while different since publication. I've gotten one. It's more book-like, <laughs> right? Yes. Like than, uh, yeah. than typical magazine fair. I think it might be once a year. Huh. They'll look that know. up anyway. Yeah, but it's good though. It's good. Um, it's good stuff. Maybe. Matt, you got a suggestion? Oh, yeah, I got maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so I can I can base this stuff like what I actually read now. But I, I still get some of these magazines come to the house, but I'll be honest, I don't really spend much time with them. Like I, I leaf through them. I'm like, okay, cool. I don't project articles have like zero relevance to me. Like I don't really look look at those at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can just tell you based on where I'm at right now in my woodworking life and journey, what I actually read. Um, it's the Sapham journals. Heck yeah. So they do a yeah. yearly publication and they also do quarterly, uh, e-publications. And those, like, if I read anything woodworking related, it's going to be those publications. Yeah. Yeah. That's just where I'm at with. That is a scholarly journal. Like, right. and Tenants kind of like it, but you know, the Sapham, what is that magazine called? That has a name. It's just I think journal. it's just the annual. The, <laughs> the annual journal. And then the quarterly ones is like pins and tails. Yeah. Something like some kind of dovetail reference mm-hmm. name. Hmm. Okay. Uh, you know, I haven't read a lot of these, but I think it's worth mentioning some of the other ones. Um, uh, Woodworkers Journal. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people are working their butts off to make good articles for these magazines. And if we're not, I don't want to dismiss them because we don't happen to read them, but they're, they're definitely there. Uh, Woodsmith um, is generally. That was going to be my next suggestion. And, and especially I think, as a newer woodworker, mm-hmm. I loved that magazine. They, the projects in there are, are very approachable, but yeah. like infinitely customizable. Right. And they're always really good at like full size drawings because they make a lot of smaller projects. So right. there was none of this, like as I was new, like the template wasn't something I had to blow up or like, you know, trace the grid or any of that. I could just, in many instances, it was included. There was like mm-hmm. a, you know, a heavier um, paper in there. Yeah, you the could pull stock it out. is a little heavier. Yeah, I, I still to this day, like I actually that was a magazine that I went and actually bought like the archives and the binders. Right. Uh, I bought a couple of those because I just I really enjoyed the stuff and it's still very, very approachable to this day. And they published some of my stuff. So, well, you know, they're good, then <laughs> they passed. The Wait test. a minute. <laughs> um, popular woodworking, of course. Uh, you know, there's been some changes there. They've I also published most- some of my stuff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they they've made some changes recently and it, it does seem like they are making a really solid effort to just make a great magazine. My suggestion well, for the rest go of figure, these, the editor in chief used to be at Woodsmith. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Logan. Yeah. Logan is now Logan's the editor in chief of popular woodworking. So yeah, yeah. I mean, he seems Good like he's doing a there. great job there. Um, I would recommend going to the newsstand if you can and see if you can't just leaf through some of these, because that's, that's the thing you got. I don't know where you're at in your woodworking, what you're interested in. Look at these magazines and see which one is currently covering stuff you're interested in. I don't want to dismiss some of the ones that we don't currently read just because that's where we're at. Um, but definitely worth checking some of those out. Then you might find some that we didn't mention here. Going to the newsstand. Yeah. <laughs> what year is do that? It? Right. Like a, you know, Head on down to your local newsstand and when, pick they're, up the, <laughs> when they're in New York city and they walk by and there's a newsstand that get that a hot dog. Extra, extra, latest popular woodworking. <laughs> no, Some listen. little boy in a cap, you know, hands you a popular woodworking. Whenever we go to Barnes & Noble, I can't help but go to the periodical. Is that what it is? The periodical section? Yeah. Um, and look at all the stuff that I'm that's like. That's the library. <laughs> no. Don't they just is call it? them magazines at Barnes & Noble? I don't know. What it, I'm going to look know. it up. <laughs> they got a new stand. That's what they call them. Well, listen, there's magazines did you say, there. Did you mention Wood Magazine? Uh, I did not mention Wood Magazine. I also didn't mention Woodcraft Magazine. Oh, yeah, there you go. I mean, there's still quite a few. There's some good ones But it is interesting to go there and look at how how different I view that stuff. Like, for instance, just other topics I'm interested in. Like, in the past, when I used to buy, like, a video game magazine, and I'm just looking at all the stuff on the cover and and thinking, wow, I've already read about that, like, two months ago. (laughs) Like, the the news cycle... (laughs) is so different now that it's really hard for those things to even, I mean, woodworking's different because it's techniques that kind of just don't get old and who cares if it's old information. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting, but go to your newsstand and buy a chocolate bar as Spider-Man swings <laughs> above you. It's kind of <laughs> the scene awesome. I'm seeing in my head. 
See, if that would happen, I would go to Newsstand. <laughs> It'd be cool. worth it. Seriously. That's okay. what they need. Uh, I think, Matt, you got the next one. Uh, yeah, I do. This is from Art. Art's over at Wood, Words and Woods. Sorry, Art. Uh, he's got a YouTube channel and he's on the socials and stuff. Mm-hmm. This is in response to episode 519, the subject of social media changing. Changes are coming. All right. Art got into Instagram a few years ago, as that seemed to be the place for woodworking creators and related stuff. I also use Facebook, but not, but more for family and friend connections. But I also have subscribed to a bunch of woodworkers on Facebook. Over the past year, I've noticed a lot of creators have started using a company I think is called Jelly Smack to take over their Facebook account. <laughs> the service takes their YouTube videos, cuts and re-edits them down in size, and puts them on Facebook and other social media to pay the creator a percentage. I can't fault the creators because we all want to, or rather need to make a living. But what has happened is I now have gone through unsubscribing to a lot of woodworkers on Facebook because I'm really, really tired of seeing rehashed videos, which I've already seen. And I'm somewhat afraid that the same thing is going to happen on Instagram. I've loved Instagram as I get these. Sorry, it's like some child beating the floor above me. I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> I was just trying to wonder. Are you recording? Trying to figure that out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's this. The dining room is right above me. <laughs> Oh, man, where was that? Ah, I've loved Instagram as I get these unscripted shot short between behind the scene type pictures and videos snippets from my other from many creators. This also gets taken over by these companies just rehashing these YouTube videos. I think it's going to kill the platform at least as far as is at least as much as I'm in. Wow. Oh, my God. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least as far as much interest to me. I've already started seeing it with one creator. Ooh. Who pray tell is this one creator? Oh, I could know. There's a lot of them, though. <laughs> this this has mostly been an observation. So let's at least try and bring this around to a question. We already know that YouTube comments can be a mess. They can be overwhelming. If creators abandon Facebook and then Instagram, what do you use for interaction with followers? And what do you use for behind-the-scenes type content? Hmm. Okay. Well, he's right. It is a, there's a company called Jelly Smack. I'm sure there will be other if there aren't already. In fact, when I went through our email, the Wood Talk email, there was an offer from a company that will take your old content and put it on TikTok. And they're Sweet. actually talking about audio podcasts here. Um, wow. So I, I deleted it. But uh, I, <laughs> I do work with Jelly Smack. It was a very difficult and weird decision-making process to decide whether to do something like this. Uh, The thing I agreed to with them was to have them working on platforms that I didn't currently take advantage of or have lost interest in. Um, So the problem is I don't think that jelly smack is the cause of a problem or companies and creators doing this is necessarily the cause. It's the symptom. Um, it's, it's something that's happening because there's already a problem on those platforms. Those platforms reward a certain type of content and people reward that same content with views. The problem is it works and the numbers grow and, uh, having a company do this, it just makes sense. So I just think that this is more of the same. It's just heading down further into a path of these platforms being less fun for people who are really interested in niching down into a topic to get that sort of authentic stuff. Instead, what you're gonna get if you follow someone on Facebook is these recycled old videos you've probably already seen, edited into a less attractive format for people who want information, who aren't just kind of window shopping or you know, kind of uh, looking at this stuff from a, a very, you know, not a very high level. I think the problem that Art has, like the overarching one is that he's been following us and been involved in the community for so long that he has seen yeah. All these things we did six years ago. Right. But guess who hasn't? Most people. Yeah. They have yeah. no idea we did these things. That's a great six, way to put it. Years ago. Most people, like everyone right. else. <laughs> that's yeah, a lot that, of people. That's where it really comes down to. And that content we made back then is still valuable when like we YouTube doesn't have like a rerun feature. Like I can't reserve it unless I literally re-upload it and post it a second time. And in fact, they're pretty terrible about taking yeah. older content and pushing it forward. That doesn't really go well either. So, right. you know, that's one way for us to get more life out of content that we created. Yeah. 
how many years ago? That's this is the side effect. You're going to yeah. see stuff you've seen already. And Funny, I think just it, like the magazines we were just talking about, where it is exactly like that. you know it has to be recycled because somebody you know they don't care that I, I've done like 17 videos on cutting dovetails. I just you know recently did a video on cutting dovetails, and it's been like it's still going gangbusters. You know, it's like ridiculously popular. It's like, really? Like this stuff's been there all the time. But yeah, it's unless you physically like click on someone's channel and then click on the video tab. Um, and Which like most people don't do. Scroll <laughs> down. You can't actually get to this old stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes they'll have if the channel's well organized, there'll be playlists that you can follow. But, you know, then you have to specifically seek that out. None of that yeah. stuff is going to be served up. Well, and I think he says, you know, is this going to ruin IG or is it going to kill, you know, Instagram? It's already dead. If you I think say it's going there. We need to talk past tense on that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. this w- has been happening as, I mean, really the thing that at least had me throwing up a red flag was as soon as the acquisition occurred with Facebook. Um, that was the beginning of the end and they were going to Facebook a five. Facebook was already trash by that time. Uh, is going to Facebookify Instagram while well, it's happening. And now the TikTok influence is taking place there too. And the problem is, you know, when you put a person in a position like you were saying, Matt, where you've got all this old content, um, we do have to find ways to make revenue. And the best way to make revenue or easiest way is to go back into this library of things we've created and rehash it for a new audience. Um, the problem is, and I think where art is, you know, the issue I think he really has with this is the fact that you kind of lose that connection with people. Um, but mm-hmm. it's already done. Like it's already happening and you have to find that new place. So, so to answer his question, where do we connect with those people? And I, I can say for me personally, there are a few places I do this. Uh, you know, when I worked with Jelly Smack, the thing I did not let them have access to is my YouTube channel. That's a primary thing for me. I don't want someone else mixing content uh, for me on that platform. If it ever gets to a point that YouTube is just garbage and I don't want to participate there anymore, well, there might be an opportunity for me to take a step back and let a company come in and remix content there. Uh, But I'm not there yet. So I I continue to connect with people on YouTube. I continue Mm -hmm. to connect with people still. I'm on Instagram. As far as general social media goes, it's still a platform that I pay attention to. I'm talking to people constantly uh, all day long on there uh, mm-hmm. for now. Um, at, there's always, of course, each each person kind of having their own silo, you know, sort of by Patreon and YouTube memberships. So there are, are ways, of course, those are fee-based, but there are ways where you could have those conversations there. And then for me, speaking personally, the Guild is certainly a place where I have great conversations with woodworkers. Um, but again, another you know, sort of paywall sort of thing. And unfortunately, I think that's where it's going. If you want genuine interactions with creators, that might be the only safe place left is if they have their own, you know, supported area Patreon type thing or a paid service, that's where you're going to get a hold of those people. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying that's probably how it's going to go. I don't know. I think it's great. I mean, just speaking, just speaking personally and forgetting the fact that I make money doing this, but I mean, the conversations that I have in the hand tool school forum and through Mm -hmm. like direct messages in the hand tool school are so much better, so much more constructive, so much more fulfilling. A lot of garbage. Yeah. And I mean, to, to be, to be fair, like you can gain access to the hand tool school community forum by buying a product. Like you go and buy a $10 lesson on my site and you will have lifetime access to that community forum. Mm-hmm. So the barrier, the price to entry is not that big of a deal. It's just um, not zero. Yeah. And, but, but here again, um, you know, I think even on a, on a platform like Facebook, Facebook has seen the growth of groups because people started to say, look, I don't want this white noise. I want to silo this out. So they build a group. And to this day, like if I open the Facebook app, most of what I'm seeing is still group fed. It's driven Mm -hmm. by the groups that I belong to. So, you know, this is where, this is where the, the, the interaction happens because it's just easier, but it also tends to be the people that honestly, like want to hear from you, honestly have a question, honestly have something to talk about, um, what I've discovered on, on even something like Instagram is it tends to be, 
I don't know. It's either a, ma- a showing off, like somebody's posting a comment to say, look how you know important I am. Or I find a lot of like inside jokes, like especially <laughs> as related to this show. Like you post something and people will post like something that tells you they listened to Wood Talk like a couple episodes ago. Yeah. You know, um, I get a lot of comments about, you know, oh, you did this. Now you need to go tell Mark and Matt to do that. Or I'm responding to the opposite, <laughs> like the latest, you know, someone saying I need to now buy a saw stop since you guys have a saw stop. Um, so yeah, the actual like interaction that's happening generally behind the paywall now. Um, that's probably a bit of me sticking my fingers in my ears and humming a tune, but Hey, it it works. It's enjoyable to me. Yeah. Matt, where do you see your interactions heading? I I see the most, I still have the most interaction on Instagram, just in the DMS. Yeah. But I honestly, I am, I'm so disillusioned with like the platform as a whole. I used to, I don't put any effort there anymore. Like I, like I used to, like, I don't know, four or five years ago, I'd be like, I got to make content specific for Instagram. I'm posting like at least once a day, usually multiple times a day. Now I'm like, I don't really care. I'll post whatever, whenever, if I have something interesting and only a small fraction of my audience is going to see it anyway. But the small fraction is the people that are actually like care. Yeah. Right. Right. So there's, there's that still too. So I'm still there participating but i'm not i'm not really putting the effort in like i used to at all as far as like putting stuff out there it's a weird moving target and i think it you know when i look at what i've done with facebook we built up an audience there was i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of of people that follow that page but facebook ruined it for me Uh, facebook turned it into an environment where i couldn't actually communicate with that audience unless i paid money i started Mm -hmm. to very quickly lose interest in that and then i also found that the things that I did post that did get attention wound up finding their way in, in front of other people who are not even necessarily woodworkers who just make my life miserable by making stupid comments. Um, <laughs> as a creator, that becomes real, not fun, real fast. And that's when I yeah. sort of migrated over to Instagram where I could find more like-minded, interested people who wanted to talk about woodworking and and not politics or whatever garbage they wanted to bring into it. Um, So I think the thing is the platforms are just always in our eyes. I mean, this may be monetarily successful for them and the numbers increase, but in our eyes, they're ruining these platforms. And we seem to platform jump until we keep finding, you know, find a place that we enjoy so that five years later, we can all complain about it when it starts to go downhill. You know, that's just kind of the way it goes. So I don't know. I don't know what's next. You know, uh, Matt has some good success on TikTok. TikTok is one of those places where I, had trouble finding the time to make more content for it. And I do have uh, jelly smack making content there now, and I'm not there personally uh, being involved in it. So we'll see. That where is, that goes. Honestly, it's the hardest part of TikTok. Like as that's where I spend the most of my time consuming content. Now there's a lot of good stuff on there, but it's, it's nothing like making content for Instagram or Facebook. Yeah. It's like an actual time commitment to making that stuff. Yeah. It's like well, the stuff that I want to make. It's like, well, it's short form scripted content. So that's like actual, oh, and I got like, basically I'm making a video, yeah. I'm making like a short YouTube video at that point. Right. So I'm like, okay, I got to commit an hour or two to producing a piece of content for a platform that doesn't really make any money, really. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't really want to. So I'm, right. I'm kind of going back and forth. I'm like, I, I, I should be posting there more, but maybe I need to do a little more like, almost like Instagram stories kind of thing on yeah. tiktok that might be the better way to approach it rather than these fully produced keep it super pieces of content yeah I find I'm, still trying to, I'm still trying to figure it out i guess dude the stuff that like i have this conversation with todd our editor um a lot because you know he's like classic video guy likes that 16 by 9 like any self-respecting person behind yep. the camera would mm-hmm. uh not a big fan of the vertical stuff but the the one the one thing that i have noticed in the last year is the crap that I put the least effort into is the most statistic. Yeah, I can get that word out statistically successful. So we could do like a, a short that is very well produced. I scripted it out. I got like everything packing in as much as I can into that minute will not perform as well as the thing that I just recorded on my phone and patched together very quickly myself. I didn't even involve (laughs) Todd. I did it myself, put a little music and that performs better. It's like the least amount of effort gets the most attention. So sometimes the overproduced stuff doesn't, uh, it may not be worth it. 
I agree with that. I, my experience is tracks the same and I, and I <laughs> continue crazy. to be flummoxed. I'm like, seriously, that's <laughs> what's doing well right now. I'm like, yeah. And it makes you question your whole life. Yeah. Like, how what's much time point? did I just put into that bit of, of content or project or whatever? Yeah. It's, yeah. And I'm also trying to figure out like, is, is it worth me doing more YouTube shorts and going and like, f- like fleshing out that. But then I'm like, I don't know. Like the audience is weird. Like, <sighs> It's this a lot. I've noticed on YouTube, they are keeping their promise of compartmentalizing shorts so that when I do post a short, I don't find many people complaining about it because the people who don't like them aren't being served those videos. Can they do that for live streams? Cause that'd be amazing. <laughs> you, know, you, got, you know what the cure for that is, Matt? Stop, stop doing them. Just stop doing them. <laughs> Just stop doing them. I, well, can't, but- I can't let them win. I cannot <laughs> let them win. <laughs> But to, to answer to, to answer Art's question, that is a that is a tactic that I still use for communicating. Um, I've I quite enjoy live streams on YouTube, and I believe mm-hmm. me, I get a lot of flack. People are like, "Oh, you're going to do is live now." I hate live. But the fact of the matter is, there's three hundred, three thousand sometimes people showing up to these things asking questions, and and it, I'm often shocked to hear. Like I'll, emails still work. I'm, I'm really old school. <laughs> people email me. Um, the number of people who tell me that like, I can't get a response out of this creator or this creator, or, you know, I I've, I've written to you because I, I know you'll answer the question. I mean, that is mm-hmm. still common. There's still oh, a yeah. lot of influencers. There's still a lot of people with paywall membership sites that don't respond. Like that's not part of, of what you're getting. So in many instances, like I get, new woodworkers who show up on my live streams and they just love the fact that they have a place to go to get an answer to a question. And someone um, will actually reply. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I've said this on the show before I've, I've kind of graduated into the point that the thing that I really love about woodworking is actually teaching now. I'd really, really enjoy it. So these live streams on YouTube are fantastic because you get an opportunity to answer someone's question by demonstrating something. And to me that, that is a fantastic place to engage with, with customers. And from a business perspective, it's a top of the sales funnel thing that produces incredibly well for me. These people come in and ask a question, they get a good answer and, oh, well, maybe I should join a school. And yeah, <laughs> it works pretty well. But this well. again is like the same self-sabotaging nature of some of these platforms and the choices they make and how this stuff is presented that I just, and this is what Matt is alluding to, you do these live shows, the kick in the nuts is you get to see your subscriber count go down. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Know, yeah. They are, it, they are non-existent up, after they happen. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's set just, up to fail. But what you've in, what you've actually done with that live show is you've talked to the people who are most interested, potentially mm-hmm. your most uh, engaged customers and engaged viewers, which is very important to do. But then the statistics, the statistics are what will tell you, wow, that was a bad idea. You shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> oh it's yeah. Like, I mean, my YouTube channel is a sign of what not to do. I mean, I've been a, I've been a, since YouTube started, you know, yeah. it's more than 10 years now. Um, I've got thousands of videos on that channel. I haven't looked recently. I think, think I have 70,000 subscribers. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, the growth of that channel, it, it's everything that I shouldn't do. I've never done a good job. <laughs> you succeeded the in game. spite of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I have succeeded at failing really well on YouTube, but you know, yeah, I, I'm just not suited for that platform, well, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> but I still enjoy it. I still enjoy posting there. We're very much in the same boat. You know, you weren't that far behind me in terms of starting making videos. I am probably, I would say, in the the top five people who started in this category on YouTube, uh, making you know DIY related or woodworking specific videos, um, in terms of being there first. But I'm definitely not even close to the most subscribed. Um, yeah. because I did everything the wrong way. <laughs> I They're posted infrequently. I posted long <laughs> videos when short videos were popular. Then I posted short videos when long videos got popular. <laughs> like I just did what I wanted to do and cover the things I wanted to cover. And my numbers show it because the system rewards you for doing what the system tells you to do. So it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing. So thanks for that question, Art. We appreciate it. And uh, apologize to those who don't like the social media and business talk, but you know, it's the second show. Um, we always kind of diverge into that for the second show. Uh, we do have one more question though, Shannon, if you want to get that one. And this one's about woodworking. So if you've hung on, Yay! thanks. Here's still the reward. Here. Welcome. 
And I like this one. This is from Doug. Um, he says, ever since the time of Norm, <laughs> the time of Norm. Oh, uh, I remember Norm. that. That's, the that's age a, of Norm. That's a specific um, eon, actually. Yeah. There is the, the, the Cretaceous period, specific Triassic, eon. and then the time of Norm. Time of Norm. The Normic, the Normic period. <laughs> um, since, <laughs> since the time of Norm, people have been making the comment, I could do that too if I had those tools. A comment that makes every woodworker spew their coffee. But it's really a tale of two scales, skill level and quality of tools. In my opinion, the skill level is most important and should be ahead of tool quality if there must be an imbalance between the two. So the topic question discussed, does time come, does the time come when in order for my skill level to improve, my tool quality must be upgraded? For example, my first table saw was $100, a plastic case table top saw from a big box store, essentially a circular saw in a milk crate. <laughs> I like that. Um, I made a lot of workaround add-ons to help me get better quality cuts, but once I upgraded to my Grizzly table saw with the Biesemeyer friends, wow, what a difference. Then after upgrading to a high-quality blade, now I can get glue-ready cuts from the saw. So for me, as a hobbyist woodworker, I work in the shop to relax and relieve stress. Working with junky tools does just the opposite. Talk amongst yourselves, basically. Mm. So, um, hmm. <laughs> I, th I'm with him on his initial statement that I think skill level should, um, trump quality of tools. Um, yeah, it, but I, I do absolutely. I love his last point where I'm a hobbyist and I want to work to relieve stress. Having good quality stuff makes woodworking easier. There's no doubt not having to fight the tool or come up with a thousand and one workarounds. Oh, it makes things so much more enjoyable. Yeah, I don't think really good tools are going to make you a better woodworker. I think they're just going to remove barriers that are in your way. Um, obstacles that you just won't confront and make it more pleasurable, which is why you often see, you know, hobbyists having these insanely, you know, really well-appointed shops and they're not a pro woodworker and they maybe only use it on the weekends. Uh, but they have expendable income. They put it into that. And man, do they enjoy their time when they're in the shop because they've got those tools. So it's like you could do a lot with cheap tools, but you have to jump through more hoops. You have to figure out other ways to do things. And it does require, I think, you developing a more uh, well-rounded skill set to get around those problems. Um, yeah, and I think there's there's the flip side of this is having like really, really high quality tools could in some respects actually stunt your growth as a woodworker domino because it it does well yeah that that's you know that's always the it's like that's like the the knee-jerk example and everything yeah now. but right. like how easy is it to throw together a table with the domino um for that matter you know how easy is it to throw together a table using loose tenon joinery well if you're cutting it with a router it actually can be a little bit more complex um if you're chopping them out oh crap um so but that's you know, something you that think happens about, in someone else's shop as far as i'm concerned <laughs> not in but, my shop i mean i've had this this question as well where some of the some of these tools these higher end tools with incredible precision and incredible bells and whistles actually make woodworking like less woodworking and more just kind of like plug and play um, yeah. It, and, and, you know, that's an evolution of these. We've solved a bunch of different problems and, you know, the pro woodworkers, I think of like the, the generation above us, pro woodworkers and generation, maybe two generations removed. You look at like the stereotypical cabinet maker, the Fred, the, the Frank Klaus type guy or, or sorry, Chuck, Chuck Bender. Um, <laughs> I, Seeing Chuck's I, I think old? there's, <laughs> that's i realized as soon as i was saying that that's how that comes out and he yep. knows where i live so that's a problem chuck would probably um, be like i don't think that's accurate there Shane. <laughs> i awesome. think you should take that back but you know one of the things that i loved about taking classes from a guy like chuck bender is he's got so much experience and he spent so much of his woodworking career making things work hang on did you say you're talking about chuck bender i'm thinking of charles brock Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> which was where my imitation <laughs> and terrible impression came from. I was from. wondering, like, oh, okay. Because that's not how Chuck Bender talks. 
<laughs> no, but if you were assuming if you were assuming that Chuck Bender is old, that's how Chuck Bender would sound. So. Okay, well, but if I'm going to do my impression of Chuck Bender, it's going to involve a lot of hand movement. Yes, oh, that's yeah. true. <laughs> Lots of yes. hand movements. Yes. So imagine, listeners, I'm moving my hands as I'm talking. Very excitedly. <laughs> oh, Sorry, oh God. God. I got my Chucks mixed up. You don't want to mess up mess up your Chucks. Uh, but you know, either one of those would be a good example. These are guys that have had. You think about you, you think about Charles Brock. We'll just do that to make it okay. easier. When he was developing his sculpted rocker, you know, the Maloof Company really to this day is still very close to the vest. Obviously, for this yeah. iconic piece that they own, they own the rights to. Um, he was kind of figuring it out, and like his his initial video, I don't know if he's redone that. I think it's still the same video, but there's a lot of kind of workaround type solutions in there. And I think that ends up making, that enhances your skill dramatically. Um, and all of these, I'll just go ahead and offend them all. All of these crusty old woodworkers have had that experience. And, you know, they continue to roll their eyes at us, you know, new guys that have had all these great tools that have all these features that, you know, basically those features are developed because the crusty old woodworkers going, this sucks and I've had to yeah. do this and I've had to Need do this. Solution. So, you know, they will always be better woodworkers than us because they had to learn the hard way how to do it. It's weird because like you do get better at a thing, the more problems you have to solve, right? It's only natural. You get more practice at it. You get to thinking outside the box. But once a problem is solved, and this goes back to the domino, once the problem is solved, well, do you ever need to make that? classic mortise and tendon. Again, you have the domino and I get it. Yeah. The domino might malfunction and now you're stuck, but let's assume that it doesn't. Let's assume, I mean, mine, I've had one of the original dominoes to be, you know, to, to come off the line and mine still works great. So like, it doesn't get to a point where you go, well, yeah, now we could put that behind us. Uh, the person using the domino is no worse off because he's not actually making these a traditional way. He's just doing it mm -hmm. faster. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Matt, you got any thoughts on this? We're, we're uh, monopolizing all the time here. Oh, no, not really. Just the usual, like, it's like, I think there's definitely like a fine line here. Because mm -hmm. on like one side of it, if you have crappy tools that are not fun to use, then you're not going to want to use them. And it's going to be terrible. And you're not going to enjoy your time doing this hobby you picked up. And then when are you going to go do woodworking? Because you're like, this isn't fun. Yeah. On the other side of it, the coin. It's like, well, if you have like really fancy stuff and everything just works perfectly all the time, you never struggled. You never learned why you do things a certain way. And you might go down some weird roads and start building things in a weird way that you don't quite understand. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. You can miss out on some fundamental kind of knowledge. Um, that's an interesting perspective. Well, I think again, I hate to keep harping on Domino. It's just the easy go-to solution, but <laughs> To use the domino. If we don't, someone would. So go <laughs> <Right>. ahead. <laughs> it's like there are certain things, certain hoops you will have to jump through to get it set up properly just to avoid doing it. That what would actually at that point be the easier way to do it with a router and maybe some kind of a guide, right? Like you might find yourself jumping through these hoops to get the domino to do what you needed to do. When if you had the skill set to just chop a mortise where you needed it, you could have had that done uh, in a simpler way, let's say. Yeah. yeah kind of shoehorning it in there. Well, there's no right or wrong in anything like this, right? It's like everybody's on their own journey, make the stuff you want to make using the stuff you want to use. Um, but it's always fun to, to kind of ponder these issues. Ooh. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think we're done, right? <laughs> I think that's it. And thanks for Roll that beautiful Rockler footage. Oh yeah. Well, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com for a store near you or use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, online to receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head to rockler.com slash WOODTALK to get in on that uh, $250 gift card. What a deal! $250! <laughs> What a deal. What a deal. What a, what All you got to do is go and put some information into a form, hit enter, and then wait for them to call your name. Enter to win your chance to supermarket sweep Rockler. Woohoo! Awesome. I'll take it so all. I'm, I'm all for that. That sounds like... Oh, just sounds I just want to see that. So much which, aisle, which aisle would you shoot for, like, first? 
if you, and let's assume it's more than 250 bucks. Let's like you truly a supermarket sweep situation. You're going to the lumber. Yeah. Let me get those exotics. Load them up. It's trying to sweep power tools into a cart. Doesn't work real well. I might go to the, to the router bit stand. Like in terms of density and value in a small space, give me that box. So is it behind the case still? Just put the whole case in the cart. I don't care. <laughs> Seriously, you gotta what, go get the key. What's what's the sticker value of like three hundred white side bits? You know, right? You could fit three hundred bits into a cart pretty easily. Yeah, I mean thirty, yeah. forty, fifty bucks that's a bit. Good. Like, yeah, that's true. That's that's a value dense. That's dense area. Right I'm going for the router bits. <laughs> Actually, I am yeah. so gonna watch Supermarket Sweep after this show. <laughs> go do it, man. <laughs> Well, thank you folks for always sending us in questions. Even on this kind of second show of the month, we get some interesting things that make you go, hmm, type questions. So thank you Hmm, for that. Those guys are weird. It just goes to show you we can spend an hour talking about anything, woodworking or not. So this show is a good example of that. So please send us an email, woodtalkshow at gmail.com. That's probably the easiest way to get questions into us. Or go to woodtalkshow.com. There is actually a website there. Um, I I, I build the pages every single month. No one ever looks at it, but it's there. Um, We have an Instagram account, woodtalkshow. And I want to bring that up because I want to say thank you to Margaret. She's doing, as usual, a great job managing our social media accounts. Always some fun stuff going on there. And at the same time, this, this podcast you're listening to right now, was mixed and I actually sound great because of the work of Nick Key, who's doing our editing. So, I sound great. Because believe me, the raw quality of, of, of whatever, the, the gremlins in my system always make my stuff sound weird. So Nobody wants Shannon in the raw. That's oh just a known thing. Yeah, that, that happened. Uh, you know that? There's the show Mark title. You got to get to the very end of the show to hear that show title, I think. <laughs> Shannon in the raw. <laughs> kind of sounds like a movie I wouldn't want to watch. <laughs> yep. Oh, <Lord. laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Goodbye.